Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome. Either welcome or welcome back. And whichever category you slot into, I really appreciate it. I'm Liam Garrow. This is Tell Me Everything. The show that you may or may not know by now is dedicated to really letting people that I love nerd out and specifically about art and pop culture. And so really what this is, it's like it's like adult show and tell. So what is happening is my guest or guests are going to come on and they're going to bring something. It really doesn't matter kind of where it falls under the umbrella of pop culture. We can do a high-low. We can do a prestige performance from an Oscar-winning movie. We can do a trash moment from reality TV. I really don't care. I want to hear it all. Basically, what I am tasking each of my guests with is I want them to bring in three either moments or people from pop culture, and I want them to tell me everything about them. My ears are open. My heart is open. I want to, I want to know uh, how they're really sort of synthesizing these things that are sort of working for them at the ground level. You know, like the things that you see that like really hit you at the right time that you kind of carry with you forever. You know what I mean? I'm just basically giving guests the opportunity to kind of like geek out and tell me everything about that. On this week's show, I can't even begin to tell you what a joy it was to speak with Naomi Paragon and Andy Beckerman, two very funny writers and performers who separately, by the way, have written and lent their talents to shows like Mythic Quest and Search Party. They've also provided material for comedians like Pete Holmes and Jessica Williams. And together, they have a very funny, very popular podcast called Couples Therapy, where they gab with guests that they have on their show about their love lives. And they also take Q&As from listeners like you. I'm thrilled they're here. They were an absolute joy to talk to you. I hope you love my little conversation with Naomi Perrigan and Andy Beckerman. Listen, I have to tell you both. I am delighted that you are here. Welcome. And I have to say, every single person I've had on the show, I do feel like it begins with like this preemptive love fest. But I have to tell you something very sincerely. I enjoy you both very much. Oh, Wow, really nice so and I and I realize that maybe sounds like very fake podcasts, like pumping your tire conversation. But I have to tell you <laughs> honestly, and so much so that I and I must share this with you. And Naomi, I want to start with you on this one because I remember the first time I ever saw you. It made such an impression on me because <gasps> the first time I ever became aware of you. Remember when you did your stand up set on Late Night with Seth Meyers? Yes, it was then, and I wow. remember thinking. I have never in my life heard a woman like with respect to your writer's point of view sound like this, you know, have this energy oh. on stage. I'm not kidding. I was like, wow, so that's gone. so nice. I, listen, sometimes I still quote your, that set to myself. You have to understand. <laughs> like Megan, Sarah and Lindsay, I want you to live. Like that's all in <laughs> the vault. You understand? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, we do need to be spreading Naomi that message. Very quotable. You are. And you know what? And I'll, and I will say too, because of the gift that is Naomi Paragon, I then of course was made privy then to the gift that is Andy Beckerman. And I was like, this is what we call a classic twofer, (laughs) you know, because it's also, there's nothing more infuriating. And I know we've all been in this boat and there are probably people we could even think of right off the top of our head. When I say this, you know, when there's someone that you love and then you meet their partner and you go, Oh, this is a dud. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I I was so, listen, even though it's on, I don't even mean this hyperbolically, it's the worst thing that could happen to a person. (laughs) Because suddenly your estimation of them, go. you're like, wait, am I being gaslit by reality? If you, if Andy Beckerman, if you had been 
a complete just worm of society, <laughs> I would have looked at Naomi and I would have said through, I don't know, the Twitter sphere, I just would have dropped you the, a, like a small reply to one of your many hit tweets. And I would have said, Naomi, we want to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves because this is <laughs> unconscionable. But yeah. then I, be, then there was you and you just were like both so delightful and lovely together. And I'm thrilled that you're here. I really mean it. Wow. I want every podcast to start this way. This is how you get me to show up places. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is it. This is it. Yeah. Uh, well, My therapist doesn't even do stuff like this. I mean, tell you anything good about yourself? Yeah. 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 That's, that's her well, approach. Well, I'm speaking to her on the sly, and she told me that when there's something that she can actually report on positively about you, she said she'll share it. But until then, she's wow. kind of, wow. it's a bit of a waiting game, she said. <laughs> Why am I paying her then? What's going on here? Why did you tell me this? Or why did you wait to have me on to confront me with this information? Well, because we've, I wanted you to be in a, a, an emotionally safe space. And B, I thought it would be better for you to be in a situation where you're being paid to hear this information instead of the other way uh, around. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, I see. I see. Okay, I, see. I see what you're saying. Very I know this is manipulation. This is like, you're, you're Jonah Hilling me. I time machine listen we're coming right off the heels of first of all and I want to talk about that if you're going to open the door there's nothing we're talking about Jonah Hill who basically decided to tell his like semi-professional surfer ex-girlfriend I really am bothered by when you're in a bathing suit and I really yeah. need you to not, I really need you to not wear a bathing suit because it Don't makes me uncomfortable pictures it makes me uncomfortable and also I think to me what I get out of the Jonah Hill like to me it's a mm. prime example of something that people I've it's driven me crazy for years, which is the mainstream use, which means often incorrect, okay? Mainstream, often incorrect use of therapy language <gasps> and weaponizing it. Because I'm telling you, I have a friend where I go, oh, I can't message you anymore because she loved to cancel a plan saying it's self-care. Now, as somebody who's always in depression mode, who don't want to do shit, I'll tell you the best self-care. Don't make the plan. Okay, don't, make, don't the plan. make it. And if you have to cancel, I think you need to cancel 24 hours in advance because you know when you don't feel right. You mm. know you know the night before when you ain't up for the vibe. You I call know. that the anti-Ocean's 11. Don't make a plan. Okay, Andy, I'll allow it. Do you want to, by the way, after I just said that, do you want to uh, change your, <laughs> your, estimation? your estimation of me? <laughs> you know what? You want to know something? The fact that you just called attention to it, though, bumps you back up it's such a it's I such agree. a ping pong it's such a ping pong no but there's something <laughs> let me say something also really quickly about when we assert a boundary here's the truth about a, ba a boundary a boundary is like a fence you put it up in your own backyard mm. you know okay that's a word mm -hmm. that's a word that's a mm -hmm. sermon that Love is it. you don't walk over to you, imagine i walked over to your shared backyard and i said real quick i have a fence i want to put up here and you said excuse me we didn't really have, we haven't discussed this. We haven't agreed exactly. upon it. We didn't pick, exactly. we didn't pick the paneling. We didn't discuss the color. And I said, no, mm. no, no, no. But it actually kind of doesn't matter because it's the fence I want to put up because it's my boundary. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, are you a Christian American? Because then you just <laughs> go do that. Girl, I mean, first of all, that is its own can of worms because I'm going to tell you something right now based on just like being north of the border, you know, kind of feeling relatively safe in Canada land, looking down south at the, um, what I call the Christian situation. In your country, <laughs> um, I'll say is humbling. It's mm -hmm, shocking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it makes me want to not leave my house, which is also mm -hmm. circling back to what we were just talking about, which is why I don't make the plan. Absolutely. Now, but wait. Now, knowing you're up in Canada land, and also reason talk about reasons to not leave the house. What's going on with your air quality? Are you breathing? Where are you in relation to all that smoke? Diva, thank you for asking. So here's the thing. 
Mm-hmm. The smoke was very mostly East Coast relegated. So what you all were seeing in New York, for example, where it looked like a Blade Runner sky, yeah. that mm-hmm. was not what we had to contend with up in Vancouver where I am. Okay, right. Okay, so you're in the West Coast. Okay, Which okay, was, okay. you know, very lucky. But, you know, of course, not dissimilarly to a Los Angeles, it gets very dry in the summer. And something that we do have to think about is forest fires. Right. Right. And more believe smokes me, and fires. Yeah. And that will happen. And I'll never forget the first summer I moved to Vancouver. I was like, first of all, this was like year one pandemic. So let's just take a beat to acknowledge the emotional stasis that we're all already in. Right. <laughs> and I remember the saddest Google I've ever made in my life was, and this was real. By the way, great this name was, for a book. The saddest Google. The saddest Google I ever made in my life was, and this is true, I Googled, is it safe to open the windows? And to and it, I, I got a hard no. I got a hard no. Wow. Wow. The air quality, the air quality no. was, the, the, air, the air quality was so bad when I, with my first summer here because of forest fires that Google just said no. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah well, at yeah. least we've opened up a ton of more places for oil drilling. So, <laughs> you know, mm. it will get better, right? That's the thing that's going to alleviate it. Yeah. Apparently I would say, more regulations on people's bodies, less on oil. That's always been my political stance. Always. <laughs> Thank always. you for saying it. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank finally, you. finally, finally, a truth teller. And and as I say to every um, American whom I enjoy, and you both, as we've established, slot into this category. If and when, whichever number horseman of the apocalypse com- apocalypse comes, and you're like, hey, we need refuge. I will sponsor you both to live in Canada. Okay, wow, this is huge, actually. That's great. And we have this also recorded, Uh right? So this is now legally binding, (laughs) which is really great in terms of like when it's time. I'll be like, no, but listen, but listen, customs officer, listen to this episode (laughs) where he's time code 1720. Seth, time code 1720. (laughs) You you do a garden state, you put the earbuds (laughs) in his ears. (laughs) And what's weird is that even though it's a podcast recording, the like security guard, he just like slowly starts bobbing his head. You're like, okay. (laughs) He's into what we're putting down. I think you both would also thrive here because you know what? Fresh air. Mm. I mean, fresh mm-hmm. air, clear skies. Yeah. And also, Can't you know lose. what? And I'm going to say something too. If we're also already run- running at like a baseline of like as what you previously called depression mode, it rains nine months out of the year. So you have the built in excuse to not leave your house. Okay. That's actually pretty nice. Because sometimes I'm like, will that be too? Well, it's funny. I have such a fine line with rain because I'm always like, like when it rains here in LA, it's, you know, we had a few months, right, where it would like rain for like a week at a time. Call mm. it monsoon season. Yeah, and it was like, oh, this is not what I signed up for. Even though I don't like the sunshine, it's because the city is not made Built. for rain, right? Correct. Like there's no, like you know, it's like flooding in the streets, you leaking. Want June gloom. This is this yes. is the weather that Naomi thrives I love in. A, June gloom. And me too. I'm a golem, right? I my family just gets melanoma by like looking at the sun on TV. So yeah, yeah. I don't go out. I and when I do go out, it's just like skulking from shadow to shadow and eating, you know, rotting fish. <laughs> like a golem. We like own parasols. No, we girls, own parasols. You, you okay? would thrive here because we call June gloom here January. Okay, that's And it's nice. very much a similar vibe, but also like imagine LA, but a city that was built for rain. So like you can be outside and still relatively dry. Why? Because every building has awning because they know mm. it's going to rain. That's gorgeous. So that's you stick gorgeous. under that awning and then you're good to go. We could go on like this for, I know, another 400 <laughs> hours. And this is what I know to be true because, and again, when I have this feeling about someone, it's effusive and I have a hard time concealing it inside of my body. But I have to tell you, 
you both have really, you've done your due diligence. You've done the homework. I know you're not calling it homework, but you've done mm-hmm. the work. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you. We were both a plus students. So that's true. That doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> when you both showed up here, you've come equipped with, first of all, we have some history making polls. I know you don't, you might not realize this. And that's why I think maybe Andy, we should start with yours because you have both brought separately and together three pop culture pulls, if you will, mm. that mm-hmm. have delighted me, have entertained me, have educated me. Wow. And also the history making pull. And Andy, that's why we're going to start with yours. You have brought this show's very first band. Oh. No one has brought a band yet. Wow. And the band you brought, which I was so delighted by, you brought Pavement. Yes. I did. <laughs> You're like, I I can, do you want me to start sure just talking? Because I can just start talking I, about well, pavement. You know but. what? I, here's, I'm going to lay a bit of, a, uh, of, a ground, of the groundwork here because I feel like in case anyone doesn't have their ear pressed to the ground on this, pavement might not be necessarily the most like name recognizable band. Absolutely. But yes, they, Liam. Correct. Here's, I'm going to tell you, li- the listeners, Andy hated hearing that and Naomi was all too happy to reinforce that idea. <laughs> it's true in fact actually can i tell you that that pause when you said pavement was this pause of like do you is this going to be me just kind of like monologuing at two people who are politely smiling for (laughs) 10 minutes or however long because that really worries me because most of my life they have not been uh, no one cared about pavement except for like a handful of like friends of mine from WPTS 92.1 FM, the college radio station uh, that I worked at listen, and DJed at in college. So I want to tell you that so pavement being a band started off in the late 80s and then had this really kind of like very, I would say, um, very like esteemed run throughout the 90s of being sort of one of the more critically revered indie rock bands of the 90s and they're really sort of largely being uh, considered by a lot of music critics as being sort of one of like the founding bands if you will of like the sort of what we now think of being like the quintessential sort of 90s rock sound Mm -hmm. right but what was so funny is that in listening to it i was thinking like oh my god this would have been absolutely to pick up on what you just said like vintage primetime college radio eras and i just was even thinking Mm -hmm. like god we don't we don't really have that anymore because for indie artists now they're relying on TikTok, they're relying on Spotify, you know, they're relying on streaming platforms. But I was like, God, there's so much cachet now that's missed in, you know, the 20 year old DJ at whichever university all over the, you know, wherever being like, no, no, no. I want the, you know, this small congregation of people who are plugged into the station to listen to this band. And it really, brought me back there. And I have to say also, wasn't familiar with Pavement before um, having you on, but then exerted my due diligence, listened. Wow. What what a joy this band is. Delightful. Auntie. Wow. Delightful. I wanted to tell you, so, you know, I came up doing improv in New York at UCB and there's this this kind of exercise you do before you start doing scenes called Hotspot. And basically like all the people get in a circle and one gets in the circle and just starts singing a song and like <gasps> a popular, like a, a song everyone knows. Yeah. Like a Britney Spears toxic, if you right. will. Of course. Right. So we okay. all know what Naomi's song was. Okay. And Andy. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. someone's supposed to, everyone's supposed to like sing with them and then you don't leave them out there too long. And then someone else jumps in and starts singing a song that whatever that, whatever just comes to mind from that's whatever Britney Spears toxic. Then you would start singing 
Christina Aguilera. I don't know. Whatever, mm. you know, pops and in your head. And now we just figured out that. Andy's backup. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember doing this and being, and the first thing that popped in my head was a pavement with Summer Babe. which is uh, the first <laughs> song on Slanted and Enchanted, their first album. Oh. And just absolute bafflement from everyone else. <laughs> and I didn't do it for like indie cred. I wasn't like, oh, this is everyone's going to think I'm cool. It was just the thing that that jumped into my head. Yeah. I started singing it. No one knew what the fuck yeah. I was doing. No one could pick it up no for one, you. Like, no one could pick up that slap. If I had slap. done Billy Joel right. or, you know, One Direction or something like that. Yeah. One Direction, <laughs> like you know them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you mean a deep the, cut the from the Flame Max Task, if Harry you will. Styles yeah. and Zayn Malik? Of course Zane I know. Malik, sweetheart. All right. <laughs> Hello. Anyway, well, so the, so the you, point you is, jump in the circle. I, yeah. Yeah. The, and just bafflement. And it felt so bad to be out there alone just singing this thing. Oh. And I, I that to me is the prototypical kind of reaction that I expect if I talk about AD Rock. So I just, from most of the time, unless I'm talking to like close friends, I just don't talk about this stuff. I kind of I, I it's it's very important to me. It's it's a pavement specifically is a very very foundational artistic moment for me, but I just like I'm going to hide this away. I'm just well, going to stick it in Listen, the box in my heart. I want you to fight against every one of those human instincts and I want you to Naomi if you don't mind, belabor us with your love for it. I well, want you to yes. I want you to unload and I want you to explain. So first of all, how did they sort of even make it onto your periphery? Do, do you have a memory of discovering them? Yes, I have an absolute memory. In fact, <laughs> Proust himself would vomit at how great this memory is. Okay, so Andy's just- breaking out the pavement reference and the Proust ladies. That's a double P, babes. Uh, okay, and this is called a man with layers, girls. Okay. <laughs> do you want another layer here? There's Get ready. A, hit me. Hit me. This, I think it's a comic, but like there's a G.I. Joe comic where Dr. Mindbender or Cobra Commander, one of them is making fun of someone that they think is dumb. And they're like, he probably thinks Proust rhymes with Faust. This is a G.I. Joe. <laughs> I'm just like, what is going on? That I'm like, so who wrote that comic? You. A writer for Frasier? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> Niles, is that seriously, you? Seriously, that should come out of Niles' mouth. That is wonderful. <laughs> so your memory, though, how do you how do you recall then discovering pavement? So, okay. There is there is. There are a series of compilations that all the money goes to age charities. It's called mm. Red Hot Plus something. And whatever that plus is, they usually is usually about the like the theme of the compilation. Mm. And then for some reason they broke that that Red Hot Plus naming convention for the one that they did that was alternative music. And they just called it No Alternative. I don't know why they thought. They- wait, but wait, you said the money goes to age or AIDS? AIDS charities. A-I-D-S. A-I-D-S. Okay, clarify. For Got some it. reason, I was like, I think that's what you said. Okay, so they make the compilations. The band right. say we're all going to have a song on it or something. Yes. Yes. Or they give a B-side or something right. like that. Something. Okay. And this is, so this is early 90s. I'm whatever, 10, 11, something like that, okay? And... He- 
Nirvana is my world. Uh-huh. Everything is that about actually, Nirvana. Andy is a Caucasian male of a certain age. Yes. I would like everyone to just, you know, he just says these things that's, and you go, yes, absolutely. That certain age is middle. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, yeah. That certain age is middle. Um, yes. Go on. So Don't Alternative had a bunch of bands I liked. But specifically, there was a Nirvana B-side. And I say this the early 90s, not just to set the picture and everyone's in. Everyone's watching Slacker at their local <laughs> indie film center. and We're all know. in an ill-fitting jean, a baggy, you know, <laughs> yes. a baggy, uh, uh, you know, a, sweater. Sh- a, sh- a baggy checkered, sweater, a, ch- a baggy checkered shirt. Just, yes, you know, an oversized Nine Inch Nails t-shirt. Thank you. We, we all have PC bangs. Remember the PC yeah. bangs. Yes. Yes. So you need yeah. the B-side. Is that what it is? So I want, and it's not like I could just, like right now, I would probably just download it, like go to well, a sure. peer-to-peer network and but this is, just mm-hmm. grab it because I'm like, I'm not going to pay $18 because that's how much CDs were of at course. the time. Oh, I recall. Oh, or, you same. know what? If it was on Bandcamp, honestly, here's what I do. Hello. Because I support artists. I go to Bandcamp and I buy their albums. Okay. God, thank you for being such a hero. I was honestly that pause was thank you. Was, Leo. I was waiting for thank you, Liam. I was waiting yeah. for that. <laughs> Andrew is nothing if not an activist. Okay, well, I'm keeping I'll you say, on task. And also, go if ahead. nothing but a philanthropist and real um, supporter of the arts, go ahead. <laughs> thank you. Why don't they name the Kennedy Center after me? That's they what are. I say. I just got the memo. Go ahead. <laughs> oh my God, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's the other reason why we brought you here. Yes. <laughs> For, so one to tell me uh, your how therapist my thinks you're boring is and also me. <laughs> yes your mm-hmm. therapist doesn't have anything nice to say and also <laughs> congratulations you're the new namesake of the kennedy center honor wow thank you uh, oh i'm choked up yeah okay so i get this to get the nirvana b-side i don't even remember what the nirvana b-side is at this point uh but on it was a song called unseen power of the picket fence by mm. this band called pavement Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's a song about REM and about <laughs> the lead singer, Steve Malkmus, and I'm sure the rest of the band, but specifically about his love of REM. And also not only in it, but he's criticizing. He's like, he's like talking about one of their albums. And he's like, and this is my least favorite song on the album. Is Wait, in that's the lyrics. in the song? That's in the lyrics. Yeah. See why I can't get down with indie rock. I'm like, <laughs> you just gave us like, you made a song that's basically a review. Yeah, a basically a medium essay. Yes, a medium essay <laughs> in the form of a song. Well, my understanding also is that was kind of though a marker for pavement style is that they were sort of usually very humorous, very ironic. Like they were my again, and this is where you can absolutely jump in and correct me, but my understanding of their songwriting is that they were not necessarily known for being emotionally revelatory songwriters. Yeah. They were far okay. more about being oh. Hold on, she's a researcher. She's a journalist. <laughs> she did homework. Liam really said we didn't. We didn't do homework. But Liam, Liam did, did homework. <laughs> listen, I wanted to listen. This is why I'm here. I want you to just to roll in and have a good time. No, but that was my, that was kind of their whole thing was that they were very kind of known for being like quippy and clever. Yeah, I wouldn't even call them. I, I understand that as being maybe a way that someone might characterize them, but I wouldn't even call it necessarily. It wasn't like they were like dropping bone. This isn't the Frasier of indie no, rock no, bands. All no, right? I mean, no, we'll save it's that not- for that G.I. Joe comic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not dropping bone most, but it is very ironic. I have a feeling that I've never gotten to interview Steve Malkmus. It's kind of like my, he's my white whale. Mm. But like, I, I, <laughs> I've never talked to him, but I have a feeling that he grew up or if not, 
just grew up is still kind of like emotionally repressed or doesn't really feel comfortable expressing his emotions. So he kind of like tucks them in like uh, like you're making a calzone. And right. he's tucking mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. and tucking all the little in. ingredients inside are, in. are his emotions. Tucking and in mm-hmm. ricotta, peek out every, tomato, like like pepperoni. when you cook uh, calzone. Maybe there's a little hole in it, and some of them leak out. Some of the ingredients yeah, leak it's out. It's like the Jessica Seinfeld baking. Like she sneaks in the broccoli in the cupcake. You know. Oh my god, she's obsessed with that. She's obsessed with sneaking in vegetables. <laughs> Deceptively delicious. Okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So to a repressed Pennsylvania kid right who doesn't know how to express his emotions here okay i'll say this it's not crazy that the characters in fiction that i identified with the most were all robots and like (laughs) weird creatures right that you know i'm like why is data my favorite character on star trek the next generation why is he (laughs) resonating with me i don't know what is it about his journey to understand what human feelings are what is it about that that is i'm on the same journey (laughs) (laughs) at the time i was like data is great he's a robot you know in in retro like 10 years into therapy i'm like oh my god okay i will say this too because so before uh andy proposed to me he had asked my mom for her (gasps) blessing and she told me after that he uh, so she said to him why do you want to marry my daughter and apparently andy's response was i was a robot before i met her (laughs) my mother was like i don't even know what that means (laughs) she was like i don't know but that is so sweet but you warmed yes. his heart. You you were, you know, it's like if at the end of Wizard of Oz, you gave the Tin Man his heart. I did, honey. I gave him a, his heart and I gave him a headache. Hello. And that is 13 years. <laughs> but you also gave me the ibuprofen. For the headache. Mm-hmm. Ain't that the truth? Mm-hmm. Ain't that the Listen, truth? If you're going to provide the remedy, you really can't then also take, you know, that's got that's worth something. Like, yes, yeah, I'm giving you the you. headache, but also yes. I'm giving you the medicine. That's Which true. maybe is also manipulative, but that's fine. We can explore that later. <laughs> it's giving misery. It's giving uh, it does not allow me to post pictures of me in a bathing suit, so Well, it's, I was gonna say it's giving a gypsy rose, whatever that girl named <laughs> whose mom yes. made her sick. Yes. <laughs> yes. Andy, you don't need that wheelchair at all. Um, <laughs> so that's interesting to me because I think it's what do you think then, especially because maybe if you were someone who is kind of then like intrigued by the prospect, like if you're saying that you were moving from a space where Nirvana was your world, different band, because, you know, Nirvana was like highly emotive, very dark, very moody. So mm-hmm. and if you were kind of like intrigued by that, then was there something then enchanting about the flip then of like the band that kind of was doing and maybe you weren't realizing this at the time, but doing something a little bit more of what you were doing, which is like the masking of feelings a little bit. I think with Nirvana though, I don't think he, he, his emotion was all in his vocals in the way he sang like all that pain and all of that, like (laughs) this, like, yeah, I'm a huge rock star, but my, I'm still incredibly depressed. And the only thing we know about mental health at this point is, the book Prozac Nation or whatever right. was going right, on right, in the right. 90s. No, here's what we knew about mental health in 1992. Don't have it. Next. Exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah. So all that pain and stuff is coming out of his vocals. And I, I think it resonated because like my therapist who, yes, may have dragged me to Maybe. you, which Maybe. I think is against some kind of regulations. So many HIPAA violations. Yeah. Uh-huh. Listen, that would be my drag name. <laughs> Hippa violation. Okay, even though I know this name is appropriation, can I share my drag name? 
Yes, please. please. Urethra Franklin. Oh, that's a fun. That's it's not, classic. That's not that's appropriation. Classic. That's classy. Thank I thought you. you were going to say something like incredibly racist. And then like, yeah. that's Let, appro- I mean, yeah. <laughs> I ladies and like, gentlemen, well, welcome to the space. Ms. Sharia Law. Come on in, girls. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> yeah. So, so you. So my therapist has said like when I was repressed, it's not like I wasn't feeling things, but it's more like whatever I. I was feeling, I was kind of like watching it happen through a window. And right. so I wasn't really kind of interacting with those emotions yeah, or Andy dealing with them. Ha- handsome. Oh. Going. <laughs> and you were just tap, tap, Waving tapping on the glass. The yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Can anybody hear me? We can't clear this. We cannot clear this, Andy. I keep telling you. Fair use. That was five seconds. Fair use. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Mimi, keep it in. Yeah. 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 So, okay. So. When I heard something about the fact that it was both strange, weird, the lyrics were weirder than Nirvana's lyrics, more poetic and odd and intellectual. And at the same time, the music was stranger, but also it was more mellifluous. There were more melodies. There were a lot of other things going on. Mm -hmm. And I think that was really it. That's what like... That that got to me, and so yeah, when they broke up, though it really uh, so that was like so. That was ninety nine. Yeah, I got into them around like eighth or ninth grade, ninth grade, because my friend Josh. Sorry, this is you could probably cut yeah, this. Cut, no, uh, we're keeping it. Okay. You should, Mimi. Mimi, if you cut this, I will throw myself off a cliff. Andy, go. <laughs> my friend Josh, uh, at the end of eighth grade lent me his brother had given him uh crooked rain crooked rain mm. and then Which he lent it to me second yes thank wow. you specify that's how long we've been together can you believe Hello. it can you believe it i know something a little something stuck uh, uh, excuse me can uh, can we uh turn the camera off so that naomi and i can make out <laughs> yeah. guys what's so crazy is they banged on a podcast and they kept their mics on <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh, he gave you the crooked rain, crooked, crooked rain. rain, and then we didn't see each other almost the entire summer. So I had his crooked rain, crooked rain CD for months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because his mom worked, and she like I don't know, suburban I don't know. life. You couldn't yes, get together. Life. You couldn't get right. together. Life, yes. No one can drive. Yes, exactly. Right. Before you can drive. Right. right. Yeah. So from then to what ninety nine is when they broke up. I think yes. right. That's when yeah. Malcolm is very dramatic. I mean, it, here's something really dramatic. He comes out uh, at like one of their final concerts, if not their final concert uh, for the original run. Handcuffs himself to the mic stand and uh, like this is what it's like being in a band. And oh like, my god! That is, I mean, come on, that's drama. That is that is giving drama. <laughs> You know, first of all, if someone did that on Drag Race, we would celebrate them. I'll say that. Like, that is actually maybe one of the most incredible stunts you could pull. And also something else. If there's something that white men, stri- like white straight men are going to do, they are going to just disturb the peace. <laughs> you know? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm having a feeling. And it's like everyone's problem. And you're like, handcuffs to Mike stand. So wait a minute. So when they, so when, so you, so you're sitting then with this record over the course of the summer and it's like gestating and you're loving it. I'm listening to it like every day, genuinely. And so this is, so like at what year do you become a fan versus like what year do they break up? Like I'm trying to track like the heartbreak here of how much that would have really like hit you. Ninth grade to... 
Uh, Is that freshman year of college that they no, break up? No, that would have been, I was dating, sorry, I was dating Cindy, so that would wow. have been Cindy. sophomore, Cindy. junior year. I think I know yeah, what that sophomore, means. Junior. I, you know, <laughs> as a high school dropout, I really have no concept of like what sophomore is. But I'm here. It means you got an education. But so congratulations <laughs> yeah. to you. But so when so, they did break up, the, yeah, when they broke up, were you just like gutted? To, <laughs> after it? I shaved, after I shaved the beard, I grew sophomore year. First beard. First beard. My first oh. beard. <laughs> my, which was the name of my mom's first husband, Andy. <laughs> Listen, we. <laughs> We'll be back after this. We'll be right back. Um, so when they do break up, are you just like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me? No, because I thought it was appropriate because the last album felt more like, because this is what makes the band good. And this is my own little personal theory is that what makes a particular band or almost anything good is creative tension that mm. is bounded. So it can't be like the people hate each other. But it can't be that they all get along and are on the same page. Hmm. It has that to explains so much about our working relationship. <laughs> well, I actually Andy likes the arguing. He likes no, the discussion. No, no, no. The... It's not that and not that's not what I mean. It doesn't have to be the argument, it doesn't have to be that. It just has to be that there is some kind of tension between the goals of the people in the group. And I think Steve Malkmus had and again, I, this is all just speculation, but I think he had some kind of desire or mm. ambition. And the other people in the band were just like, this is fun. Let's keep doing this. And he wanted to be bigger. And I think the kind of the right. existential tension between those two things is what made them good. But then at, at some point it became like, no, I want this to be more. I need you guys to actually practice. And they weren't. And mm. so- you know, on Terror Twilight, which is their last album, you know, they bring in a lot of ringers to do stuff that the other guys in the band couldn't do musically. Oh, it's like it's like the Beach Boys pet sounds all over again, like bringing in the wrecking crew. Yeah. So basically with uh, they they brought in the wrecking crew, which, of course, was like this incredible pop, basically orchestra, huge band that they would then bring in to do sessions for other bands. And Brian Wilson, when he was conceiving of this very, very dense, layered, intricate record, the other members of the Beach Boys were like, well, we can't play that. So we hmm. need to bring in these other people. So it's like ah. a Beach Boys record, but really it's like a Wrecking Crew record. And and what's interesting too, when you brought up this idea of like, well, it's hard when your when your personal dream maybe is bigger than your bandmates, your colleagues, your surroundings. Did either of you see the Tina Turner documentary that just came out two years ago, HBO? No, no, haven't seen it. First of all, would recommend have watched it three times. But <laughs> second of all, that was I mean, amongst the myriad of things that would have made. Tina Turner's relationship with Ike impossible and difficult and awful. You know, Kurt Loder, also a fixture of, uh, you know, 90s oh, yeah. rock culture. Oh, That's yeah. how I find out Kurt Cobain died. Kurt That's Loder. how we all found out. They'll never forget <laughs> the one time he cried on uh, MTV News. But um, oh, yeah. he, he said, you know, what was also, I think, difficult for Tina in that environment was that her musical dream was so much bigger than Ike's and her taste was broader than his and mm. what she wanted to accomplish was so much more. So now that's with one person. So if right. you have then a group of people who you're kind of looking at going like, guys, can we get this show on the road? And if they're not meeting you there, that's got to be tough. That's got to be here's, awful. Here's the thing. A, Pet Sounds is a masterpiece. Terror Twilight is a good album and I like it, but right. it's not a masterpiece. It's not Pet Sounds. <laughs> so Brian Wilson 
doing what he had to do to make to birth that thing from his brain. As much as I love Steve Malkmus, he didn't he's never produced a pet sounds. Well, and you know something? There's also I'm reminded of what Michael Stipe said when when REM broke up, where he said, you know, that actually, as I understand it, was not an acrimonious split. And what he just Mm -hmm. said was, you know what? There's something to be said that when you have a group of people, they can only be creatively viable for so long. And then Mm -hmm. that well runs dry and then you must walk away. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's just what happens. Um, I want to pivot. I do want to pivot because I want, I feel like, first of all, before we move on to Naomi's pick, which made me scream, I, (laughs) what, what's this, what's an album or song that you want to leave um, a listener with? Like if they're not, if they're not deep into pavement, if they're not familiar, what's the album they start with or what's the song they start with? And is it wash your hair? (laughs) <laughs> cut your hair oh cut your hair god damn it uh, i would say wowie zowie that's my favorite pavement album perfect it's the third album it's that is a masterpiece i think from beginning to end i don't think there's a bad song on there on the R. well here's a question for you two questions actually well one for you and then one for liam uh-huh. okay for anyone who doesn't know pavement right who could you compare them to more mainstream so that a listener is like oh if i like so and so perhaps there no. isn't anything this is where okay. i think like yeah. this is like okay. attention I'm trying to find a there's connection. somewhere between like between uh steve mongus's love of classic rock and also um spiral stairs scott spiral stairs canberg his love of like weird punk or like okay. the fall which is this british band that the lyrics are very like weird, poetic, dense nonsense. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It's somewhere in between there, somewhere in between like CCR and the fall. And that's why I'm like, there is nothing Creedence, like them. Clearwater revival. Yeah, all the bands. You can't just say letters, Auntie. All the bands that like want to be like pavement always miss like the, they just like either go for like weird poetic lyrics or they go for uh, like, uh, like lazy kind of like, guitar solos which is mm. i wouldn't call their solos lazy they're just like they, I they go for that i understand <laughs> i just trying to stop me but i'm just saying okay that's my answer but uh, but i'm trying to get at the essence naomi i want to get at the essence because i think it's important okay? i think i know but here's the thing but i think i do know and andy i don't know if you're going to agree and I, listen i don't know what your feeling is about this band but for the purpose of like the hoi polloi like myself who are just trying to like grasp onto something for like to, like to, to find the sort of launching point to a pavement. It's mm-hmm. almost like if you met in the middle of a Credence Clearwater revival, if you will, and a Weezer. Hmm. hmm. I'll take it. I was thinking more like Justin Timberlake and JLo, somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just described um, Jason Derulo, so close, but not quite. <laughs> Now, Naomi, I want to say, so you brought in a mm-hmm. a movie, and this is an early 90s sort of yes. sleeper hit, if you will, yeah. from 1993, yeah, yeah, yeah. starring yeah. one, first of all, I mean, darling of Canada, Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The movie is called Life with Mikey, and this movie, <laughs> first of all, I want to say this, I don't, again, I don't know either of you. In, like intrinsically we, we listen have we had a dinner together not yet but here's what i know to be true 
both of your polls make so much sense. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because, so Life with Mikey, this is a movie, so Michael J. Fox is playing this sort of like former, so, and weirdly actually, he's kind of playing like the version of himself if he didn't make it. He's yes. playing, he's playing this former child star yes, who had like yes. moderate success on a sitcom as a child. Mm-hmm. grows up doesn't isn't able to really capitalize on that success and so he becomes a talent agent for this like very very fledgling sort of cartoonishly bad um talent agency him and his brother he, they start the agency played by the one and only nathan lane absolutely icons only <laughs> icons only first of all and before we get too in the weeds on this listener if you want to do a quick imdb of life with mikey and look at the cast listing Every single New York theater actor that was on the scene in the early 90s shows yep. up in this movie. First of all, Barbara Walsh Hive, where are you? Um, rise up. Rise up. Um, you know, Mandy Patinkin playing an irate man. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so much going on. But I'm curious to know. So first of all, a children's movie did... You know what? Tell me everything. How did you, how did this movie make its way into your life? Um, I probably did see it in the theaters, you know, when it came out. So I'm definitely, um, in a lot of ways, raised by TV. I yes. grew up as an only child in New York, in Harlem. Going to movies was and going to show theater was something that my mother and I did together a lot. Like we would go to movies. This is, you know, back, there's a movie theater in the Bronx that used to be near her job. And we would go where like you would go in for the matinee, which was cheap, and then sneak into the other movies after that. So we would see two or three movies at a time for the mm-hmm. price of one. Hell and yeah. it was like, and I, and I loved it. And I think from a very early age too, I wanted to be an actor. I knew that stuff like going like that's all I wanted. I thought TV and films uh, were magic. I did not yes. know how you got onto it. You know, it was like very it was uh, amazing to me. And so I think especially that uh, life with Mikey. Right. Because it is a movie. So basically, you guys, the movie is Christina Vidal, who's also OK. She is still acting today. She is oh, a she's star. booked and busy. Booked Honey, she's and busy. Booked, she's Christina, busy. She's yes. out here. She's been working 40 years. OK. Yeah. But she plays a teenage. She's a little kid. She's a pickpocket. Yes. And so, of course, to be a little a pickpocket, a con artist, she's, she's like a, Oliver Twist. She's a good actor. And mm. basically, Michael J. Fox sees her, you know, I think Times Square, but somewhere in Midtown, basically just like, you know, running the con. And it's like, you should be an actor. You know, and she's this street kid who's like, what are you doing? Stop talking to me. What are you about? You're like, she's really giving us her Bronx. She's really laying it on thick. You said she doesn't go to school. She steals. She ran away from home. Oh! Coffee. Coffee? Yeah, coffee. It comes from beans. Ever heard of it? We're now representing the Oven. What would you like for Christmas? I'd like for you to find the chimney and shove yourself right. out. Finally! You found a little girl with some spirit! Did you check her head with a little 666? Yeah, there was only two sixes. We got her just in time. This, it's so delicious. It's so incredible. It's so fun. So it's like kind of them and him sort of ushering her into the world. We also see, talk about you know, still booked Busy Blast. David Crummeltz, honey. David Crummeltz playing is their a star child client. actor nightmare. He plays a nightmare and like the only client they have left and he's an asshole kid. And you're like, Crummeltz, you've always had it. He's always had it. <laughs> First of all, do you want to, do you want to tell, delight our audience and letting them know who plays their secretary at the talent agency? Wait, who is it? Girl. Andy, Girl. The IMDb. I did. By the way, I want you to know that I wasn't, checking my texts or anything i pulled up the imdb I know, I gotta find and i saw it. victor garber and i'm like victor garber know. this the secretary played by the one the only voice of a generation cindy lopper cindy lopper yes talking about the goonies are good enough they finally oh. are hashtag validation for goonies you know what where's the justice <laughs> but no it's funny it's 
in watching this movie, first of all, Oh my God, you watched it, Upsess. I watched it yesterday because I wanted to be top of mind fresh. (laughs) So here's what I, here's why to me this makes sense for you. Because when I saw this movie, I was like, oh, Naomi saw this as a child and she wanted to be the Christina Vidal character. She wanted to be the actor who gets plucked. Well, let me tell you, part pluck, but also, you know, who, you know what it really was for me? Like an iconic moment. Something that to this day, like there's nothing I love more when, um, someone is shy and then has a like i'm obsessed with a vocal honey i love a singers i wanted to be a mm. singer back mm. even before i wanted to act someone who could sing there is the end of life with mike okay oh is I, this, yes this is who i wanted to be girls the glasses came off yeah <laughs> the end of this movie is um basically they're like we're not gonna be able to keep the agency open we don't know what we're gonna do they all kind of gather in the office and the kids and the remaining clients and then this this black mother and daughter knock Ugh. on the door and it's like, are y'all still looking for clients, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and they're like, and she's like, and the little black girl is quiet and she's like, and she's like, I sing, you know? And they're like, so what are you saying? What are you going to, you know, and he, she sings. And I still remember too. I have not seen it recently at all. So this is me remembering from like years ago. Okay. Come on along and listen to the lullaby of and she's like she's got something but she's quiet and like literally you see like michael j fox like coaching her being like sing louder sing louder sing like you want the and this little black girl the whistle of the subway train and like she is bringing it to them and literally it's like nathan lane and michael j fox are like we've got a star yes (laughs) and you were like i want to be the star yes she single-handedly saves a company Okay, she she saves these men from living on the street. She, for, like, the thing that is so charming to me, though, about this movie is, like, and I was just thinking, like, and we don't, I think this is an aesthetic and a tone and a quality that kind of get got lost. Funny, you both picked sort of things, like, that really took place in the early 90s. I'm just piecing that together now. But <laughs> that in child entertainment as well, like, this idea of kind of harping on the young child who sort of acts like an adult like giving very mm-hmm. like bugsy malone energy you know yes, we're talking yes, like yes. <laughs> and how there's like still this sort of um grimy but razzle dazzle quality to show yes. biz curly sue was another one another iconic movie of that time with that energy yes which I was into. yes and so i just was like and i just i i couldn't help but watch that and think like wow if i had been i don't know whatever age seven eight whatever watching this movie this would this movie would have been everything to me yeah. Yeah, it was, especially again, being in New York. Right? And even now, I always have a soft spot for movies and TV shows set in New York, like real New York, anything set yeah. from when I say real, I mean like the 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 New York of the 80s and 90s, not the not the necessarily glitzy New York. No. Um, so I always the like real New York. Yeah. I, like, yeah. I mean, like we love the show Pose. And I think that for that yeah. very reason, right, like 80s New York. And I'm like, that's what I grew up on. That's what I remember. And so that world and just the way people act and how you just have, you know, anything set in New York always has, you know, colorful characters, you know, yes, like if you're in New York, yes. it's going to be like fun side people and side conversations and, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, but certainly I think that's also what plays into, again, this idea of like the grown up kid, right? Cause it's also right. so, it's also about being a city kid specifically. Right. Like if you're a kid in New York city, you gotta have your wits about you. You gotta be clever. You gotta be tough. Well, and if you're, you know, uh, if you're an only child and you're like traveling around in the city and you're like going to movies by yourself and stuff, like I'm sure there's also a real point of connection of like, 
I'm another adult in the room. Like you're seeing this, like you're seeing this like young girl in this movie, this Christina Vidal, who's, you know, trying to like work the grift <laughs> in New York city. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like me, you saw her and you said, you pointed the screen. You said me. Oh, I had a moment. My mother still remembers it. I was in the shower. And again, so that movie, 93, I would have been 9, 10. So it was also mm-hmm. around the time I was like in the shower and I was like practicing crying. Okay, first oh, of all. Oh, yes. And my mother yes. runs in. because she to thinks, practice? Well, I was like on cue. No, no, but I'm saying now. It's Don't like- be rude, Andrew. <laughs> Don't bring up my depression in the middle you know, of this conversation. I let Andrew, you talk about pavement's ass wow. and all the Stephen Balk Miss Magic. I let you get Proust in. Okay, and, and now that, you gotta come up here under my name for a company. I thought you were funny. That you, and that you would cut into her time talking about a film directed by Broadway's James Lapine. How dare you? How dare you? You know what? I'm gonna be silent for the rest of this. Thank you. Can I ask one question and then I'll be silent? Go. Do you think Cindy Lauper being the secretary is a reference to any Potts being the secretary in Ghostbusters? I'm done. I'll take my answer off the air. She's giving, she's giving some, no, Annie Potts is like very dry and unimpressed. Yes. She, and Cindy. She, it's, it's almost like, um, she's giving more like Betty Boop, Ju- Judy Holiday. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Very All sort right, of like, me, come get me when oh, we talk boy. later. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. What are we going to do? I haven't gotten a check in nine months. Yeah. Um, yeah. This one doesn't pay for itself. I can't just <laughs> go around uh, selling these small bracelets off the side of the road or whatever her like side gig is. So exactly. wait, so, you're, so your mom remembers a story. You're in the shower. You're trying to like cry. And, and like she literally runs in because she thinks, you know, basically she thinks that I have fallen <gasps> and like cannot get up. She thinks I'm in the shower and I've caused a problem. And literally she's like, she comes in and I think she was like in the middle of something. She was like holding... I, dish something where you know she's like really been pulled she's like what's going on and i was like nothing mom i'm just acting <laughs> first so, of like, all I-, I was that child standing ovation someone handed this child the academy award that you were so <laughs> convincing in your fake cry that your mom couldn't even put the dish down <laughs> she ran into the bathroom to check in on you and see how you were doing and i was like just honing my craft just no, honing Andy my looks craft. like he's permanently off camera what happened oh he's back he's back <laughs> i <laughs> he was leaning out of frame because I'm screaming so loud. No, See, you I, said I'd out be. Of I'd I, break. I'm being respectful. No, That's no, no. Stop, stop being respectful. Come back. Come back. <laughs> so wait, I'm curious. And then if you had real sights and of, you know, already know you want to be an actor. Did you ever as a child have any like, did you ever make a go of it as an actor? Did you try well, and do the whole audition the thing? thing? OK. Here's the thing. And here's what I was much like our little black girl who sings at the end of this movie. OK. I was a very shy kid. So I wanted to do it, but I was scared. I was scared to have people look at me when I was like singing or doing anything like that. So I was still very, very shy. And I remember at one point, you know, my mom was like, okay, well, let's sign you up for Harlem School of the Arts. You can like go take a class. And I was like, no, no, no. So I was like, so it was always a dream. I was really scared. And it wasn't until like maybe I did a play or two in high school and then I got to college and really tried to do it. And I think even that, right, was college feeling like I'm a new person now. These people don't know the old quiet person. Yes, I get to reinvent myself a little bit. Yeah. So I was so I always wanted it, but I was like way too scared. There, There is something really restorative about because I had a very similar thing when I when I moved to uh, Toronto. I was. I was like freshly 19 and I had a very similar thought of these people don't know any baggage that I have. So I can really start fresh and I can just become this new person and they'll believe it because they don't right. have anything right, else right, to, right, right. To, to compare it against, mm-hmm. which is, you know, so I, Andy, were you a shy kid? 
We only yeah, we've established that you were the robot. <laughs> this is ve- this is very quick, but I you know I wanted to play in a band, and I remember for the Temple Talent Show, I put together my friend Eric and another person, and we uh, put together a, a Nirvana song, and I was supposed to sing it. It was a very repetitive Nirvana song. It's called Floyd the Barber, and I got there. We were at the Talent Show, and I st- we start playing it, and I go to sing, and I can't. And so it's just four minutes of this extremely repetitive Nirvana song (laughs) and me standing in front of a microphone not singing. (laughs) I'll never forget my grade one talent show. It was the one year, it was the only year our school ever did a talent show because I think all the probably like the like the teachers and faculty were like, this is too much work for not enough of a reward. (laughs) But I'll never forget like that happened i think with two kids which was like they didn't even make it to the mic like a teacher would just come on and be like and be like okay and um up next hillary stewart playing the piano 20 seconds goes by okay hillary will not be joining us on stage here we have amanda awad come on up amanda like just yeah, I, no it's, yeah. oh my god it's the worst thing in the world because when you're that age also it's like i think there's only really two kinds of kids there's like kids who want the world to look at them and there are kids who are like i want to live under a rock yeah. Well, and it's, it's like, I want the world to come find me under the rock. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's more oh, like, yes, I'm under here, yes. but can you hear yes. me? Can you guys it's all hear me? It's very comfortable under this rock. You guys all come in come here. Come to the rock. Can come I be so good that you're willing to come to this, to this, yeah. to this rock? Yeah, it, I think that plucking, I think it was, I think I was always, um, you want to be in Schwab's and have someone grab I you I want out. it to be plucked. And to this day, I'm still like, where is the manager who like tells me how to dress, fixes my teeth, and like introduces me to the person who'll change my life? Do you know what I, I mean? Know. Like the way we think of like old Hollywood and fixers and 1930s where someone said, you got the goods, kid. Here's the last time I think that ever happened. And I, I think it was to Whoopi Goldberg. Because she was doing her one-woman show, which then became Mm -hmm. Whoopi Goldberg on Broadway. She was doing it in San Francisco. Mike Nichols happened to be in town working on something. He was looking for something to do one evening. He saw this unknown woman's one-woman show. Mm -hmm. And with tears in his eyes, was so overcome that he couldn't believe how wonderful he was. And he basically did that thing of, like, outstretched his hand and was like, I am going to make you a star. And See, that's what I'm... Andy we, Andy, and I just did a first live couples therapy show in a while. Oh. Bruce Valanche was there. I said, <gasps> will I be taken? Will I be taken to the next level? Bruce was like, I gotta go. I'm not interested. <laughs> oh. <laughs> first of all, listen, I want... Let's talk about this, and then I want to go to your joint poll, but did you have any interaction with Bruce Valanche? No, just uh, so because so because so, some friends of ours came with him, which was already insane. And so, but but we could see him. Like I saw him, but I was like, okay, don't even check in to see if Bruce Falange is into it or not. Like I was mm, like, don't look over there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because you, you don't want to look at him and him just like scowling. And you're like, oh, <laughs> I'm not doing this right. And of course, and and there's nothing worse than someone like scowling with like a funny T-shirt. You know, <laughs> you're just like, oh. <laughs> You're like, oh, wait a minute. This man is scowling and his t-shirt says, excuse this mess, but I live here. Oh, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, now, listen, let's move on. You have, you've brought your joint. Now, this, I want to say, this is the one that of all of them, I, shockingly, this was <laughs> the one that I was actually the most um, uneducated about and really don't know oh, about. Really? Yes. I know. I was like, wow. I don't know. I know. Listen, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> but you both have brought in as, as your couple's pop culture love, you've brought in House Hunters International. Yes. Absolutely. Now, 
Listen, Andy, you were so good and you were so quiet during Naomi's presentation <laughs> that Was I'm going to I'm going to leave it to you. So wait, so explain to people so what is the show? House Hunters International is, you know, uh what a David Zaslav's gems. In no uh, before his time, before don't you his even time. put I'm his just, name. Don't sully House Hunters. I'm just saying, okay, yes. it's a TV show on Discovery okay. where a couple, much like House Hunters, right? Yes, spin House off Hunters, of House Hunters, yes. House Hunters uh, is a show, and actually, I've never really seen it. It's what they like, uh, uh, same family, exact. same, same thing, like a family. Yeah, pick is, a city, pick a location. City, pick a location. People okay. are on the house hunt. On the house hunt, but international. So basically, uh, a couple is moving from America, usually, to a foreign country. Oh. They go there, and they look at three, they have their criteria, okay? And they look at three different places, and they're led around by a local real estate agent, usually. Yes, but we've learned we've done a lot of deep dives and like sometimes they ain't even let's a real go, estate let's, agent. Let's, yeah, okay. let's not even. I, okay, I just want to give so the sorry. basic before we get okay. into no, this is we like peel back the layers. Yes, you're right. I just you're want correct. to give the basic concept. Okay. And then and usually they what each person in the couple wants is uh, diametrically opposed to what the other person wants. <laughs> right. Okay. Like yes. if someone wants a lot of vegetation outside, the other person just wants like pure concrete. I want just like a brutalist Ugh. block of nothing. Okay? <laughs> and she's like, I want a garden. Yeah. And then <laughs> he's like, I want, I, I want everything to be dead around. And the you're apartment. like, I give the six months. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. Liam, you get it. Liam, Liam you're uh, already halfway there. Liam, the <laughs> amount, by the way, oh. we are oh. now house hunters investigators. <gasps> we do, Andy? when we, watch this what is we do is we look up the couple we do so much deep diving to see if they're still together because <gasps> we're like they can't be in most of the cases a lot of times the dynamic even though right because again like e most reality television it is still very produced we mm -hmm. all know that like some of this is played up and it's edited mm -hmm. yes but still even Still, with that, there are times you yeah. go, this dynamic isn't right. Yes. This or the chemistry this, is off. Or yes. it's like, if this is what you said on recorded media, yeah. I don't no want to know what you say no when it there's a off. camera on you. You yeah. said this thing about yes. your spouse. Yes. Or like the tone you took. There are yeah. times where I go, I don't like their tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very, like, there's a lot of, like, very standard, like, toxic cishet couples on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where really it's like, traditional. Oh, my spouse over my ball and chain. Yeah, it's like, oh, well, you care about the kitchen, honey. Yeah. You care about the kitchen. And I, it's like, really? I want to watch football with the boys it's like, on my leather couch. It's like, okay. Kind of thing. <laughs> Leather couch. Yeah, no, is leather couch is that the one. Dude That's likes. the one. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's because it's the easiest one for them to ejaculate on because it's just a real yeah. wipe and go situation. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Never thought about it that way, and you're correct. Well, I, that's uh, what I assume. All straight men are just looking. All all dumb straight men. They're just like, well, what can I uh, make a mess on? That's gonna be easy to clean up. Like, yeah, I got so much jizz. I gotta clean it up. Isn't there a solution for me? Yeah, exactly. Precisely. So wait a minute. So you're doing the deep dive on these people. So wait. Oh, now, if yeah. you had to like, if we had to break down a percentage, girls, here's the question: We're doing a deep dive on the couples. Percentage-wise, how many of them are still together? Fifty. I was gonna say would more you than say you 50? would think. More than you would 50. think. More than you would you, think. More than you think are still together. Um, as far as we can find online, and in yes. terms of you know who's posting, because there were some couple where I go, I give this two months, and then it was literally we found them seven on IG, years. and it was like se seven year anniversary seven picture, years. and I said, wow. I said, honey, I'll eat my hat. I'll eat my hat. This is a question. Do we think couples who seem so? 
Now, how do I want to say this? Do we think that couples who seem to have such a fraught dynamic, do we think the thing keeping them together is sex? I'm really not trying to be lascivious about no, this. No, but no, I understand it, what you're saying. Yeah, no. Like, is, I, it, is it a little bit like we're arguing, we're arguing, we're arguing, and now we're fucking our brains out? Is it, a little, is it uh, that? Not these couples. Mm. Well, this is the thing that's so funny, right? Because, again, this is a show that people choose to be on, right? Like, I'm assuming yes. you even submit yourself. Yeah, it's not, they're not oh, drafted yeah. into it. This isn't Vietnam. And and yet, not yet. so many of them even are- Even though some are take place in Vietnam. Some of <laughs> are so stiff and uncomfortable. I was like, why did being on camera see, like, why did that even come into your head? Cause you seem so uncomfortable and you can't even, you know, you don't have um, ease with your language. You don't have any sort of yes. warmth or charm. And I'm always like shocked <laughs> that people who, them, who, who, who choose them. to be on camera. And it's also again too, this is not a high paying endeavor. You know, we've looked this up. I no. think you get $1,500. Yeah. So you're not five even, days of shooting. So you're not even getting all that. I'm, I thought maybe if you got like a year rent paid for wherever you <gasps> right. live. I, I was said, like, okay. oh, surely they must have some deal where like, well, if you appear on camera, we'll cover the mortgage for X, blah, blah, blah. Yes. No, 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 no. $1,500. Pre-tax. Pre-tax. Pre okay. And this is why SAG needs to go on strike. This is <laughs> an abomination. <laughs> I know. I couldn't believe it. And so I was like, you don't even get big money, but you're choosing to be on TV. I said, I don't get it. But okay, maybe when you're moving. But what's very fun, you know, first, because I will say, how do we find HHI? Because I think we started watching it in the pandemic. I had watched okay. the show before in life. No, we started a long time ago. Because I remember us watching in New York, just okay. clicking on, <gasps> on okay. I, it was honestly just a lark. Yeah, I it would have just been I on cable. Because I knew yeah. the show, because again, it's usually it would be on HGTV, right? Right. Remember linear television? And yes. so it was on HGTV and I would have definitely watched it probably at my mom's house. Like that's the kind of, you know, she loves a home renovation, stuff like mm. that. And I feel like I had seen it. It's very like you're in a hotel, there's nothing on. Like that's where that's, it came. That's what yes. it is. Because I don't watch reality TV. I'm not like knocking it or anything. If you want, you know, I'm just saying that it's not something that interests me that much. And this some so I don't think I would have like turned this on yeah. on purpose. But I would have definitely been like, we have to watch this because basically part of what makes it great is two things, right? On one hand, first of all, it's like taking a trip from the comfort of home, <gasps> all right? You're oh, sure. seeing these parts of the world, right? Yes. It's like, oh, what is it to try to find an apartment in Antwerp? You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm like, mm. show me what they're offering. Yes, you're seeing some of the dumbest cishet couples try to process Europe or Asia, uh, well, or... But then you all... But not just... No, it's not just that. It's just like, why do I live in America when I could literally have a whole three-bedroom right. house? Yes. Let me tell you, we have... For months now, researched how much a houseboat in Amsterdam costs. And it is more affordable... Yes. ...than a house in Los Angeles. Than an apartment in Los Angeles. Than, than an than apartment in Los, in Los Angeles. Than a hole in the ground. Than a rock that we hide under. In Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay, going yeah. back to the rock we hide under, there is a theme, everybody. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, I wonder, it's like, first of all, and I'm going to pitch this to you because if you don't watch the show, I think maybe considering your interest in this, it'd be up your alley. Are either of you familiar with, I think it's a BBC show called um, Escape to the Chateau? I no, but a listener to <laughs> our podcast has recommended it to us. I would recommend it to you also. First of all, okay. it because it, it, satiates some of the same thing where you're like oh my god beautiful rustic like mm -hmm. either french chateau or yeah usually french chateau and also what they're paying and they're like these rundown things that they're like mm -hmm. the whole conceit of the show is like we're tracking these couples hiring these construction teams to like rebuild these you know once gorgeous properties right but here's the thing the couples they bring on are just like quiet lovely british people 
<laughs> huh. And so literally, like, you'll just watch, like, an episode will be, I don't know, 45 minutes, and you just watch 45 minutes of, like, here's, here's, my, here's my imitation of, like, one of these couples having an argument. I don't know that, that I quite like that there. Oh, I'll change it. Like, that's literally, that's an <laughs> argument on the show. That's an argument on that show. And they go well, okay. and they, and so the, go ahead. No, go. So if you're, if you're plugged yeah. in, I just wanted to give you the wreck, the wreck is all. <laughs> well, no, we have to talk about the second thing we love about the, the show. second thing. Yes. Yeah. And this is the thing <laughs> where I'm like, I, that sounds lovely, but here's the thing. Living in okay. the modern world, just being around and being empathetic, nice people, you get a lot of poison in your heart yes. from mm. just reading the news, yeah, from yeah, yeah. seeing other human beings live their lives from, you know, all from that leaving stuff. the house. Let's be honest. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. From leaving, from looking out the window. Yep. Okay. You got to get that poison out somehow. All right. You can't mm. just let it in there. And House Hunters International, with the the couples, I would say 85% of them are so risible, so, <laughs> so just like, so on their face, just yes. like, why are you, why do you exist? Not just as a couple, but as human beings. Yes. That it gives us the opportunity to get that poison out. And we uh-huh. are the meanest we've ever been in our lives watching this show. Look, I'm roasting, okay? When we're uh. watching HHI, it, part of it for me is about roasting are, these people. You are Mount St. Helens. You are Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> you are not just roasting. You are burning them to a cinder. You are turning them to Pompeii. Yes, Hetty, yes, it's Pompeii in this house, okay? And you all go be ash. <laughs> because you have got to read. Between, it's not simply that these people, sometimes I'm like, what are you even doing here? Why did you choose to be on TV? Why do you talk to her like that? Also, and because and this is the way the show is set up, right? Because these are people, first of all, everybody got a dollar fifty to their name. So it's already a problem. Because I said, honey, you ain't even you, but you but you got a list of wants a mile long. Yeah, they go to London, they want like a a, a penthouse apartment with five bedrooms, and they're like, I got 20 bucks. What can you get me? And they're also like, okay, I would like a lot of green space in the city center. Well, that's not possible. Those no. two things don't even make no sense. Okay. No. Then they love having an extra bedroom for guests. Now, when I tell you I've never seen a single person on House Hunters International that I believe has a friend, okay? No. I said, nobody visiting you. Nobody visiting Nobody's you. Nobody's visiting you. Nobody no. visiting you. Nobody's visiting you. You moved from Aurora, Colorado to Mykonos. <laughs> you got friends with money like that? Nobody coming to see you. Also, if you liked your life so much back home, you would have stayed there. You moving because you have to run. You want to run. You have made mistakes. Running from your feelings. You're running from some existential problem. Nobody want to see you. No one's coming to see you. And that's, and I bet you those people from Aurora, Colorado, when their friends, quote unquote, found out they were moving, they were like, you should go. We would love to <laughs> exactly. see. You should exactly. follow your dreams. Well, here's also, now this might be a very base question, but what's the breakdown? Are we mostly, when we're dealing, especially with the cishet couples, is it like, Older guy, younger woman? Are we dealing similar ages? Similar ages. Yeah, similar ages usually. And there's a range because they'll do, you know, the young couple that's moving for like a grad school sitch is very common, like where someone's going to school somewhere. Oh, the saddest ones are the couple in their 20s that are like, this is our last hurrah. We get to live in another country for a year before we settle down. I'm just like, oh, that is so sad that you're just ending your life here. That this is you've lived. Or you think, yeah, yeah this for is like it. one year in in Valencia or whatever, right? And then that's and then it's over. And I'm like, you Wait, don't Andy. have to do. You don't have to do that. You can live the rest of your life. You can have fun for the rest of your life. No, no. We looked up one couple, and it's really Andy. He'd be out here sleuthing. He's real fast oh, yeah. with it too. Because here's the, sometimes 
I wanted to be when I when I was leaving grad school before I moved to New York to do comedy. I was like, maybe I could be a private investigator. I don't and know. And now you are. Seems cool. And now he is. Well, because here's the thing. Because uh, I like na- Veronica Mars. Nine times out of ten, people put their full names. Right? Like the Chiron shows you the name. So, I mean, I'm already, it's easy. Now, if the name is spelled in a funny way, if it's like an unusual name, easy e- to even find Even easier, them. yes. But then sometimes, again, in the case of these people who go to grad school, you search grad the name, graduate, and then whatever this you, location you is of the to, episode. Yeah, you have to pick up on all the context clues you can. Like and they then say you what use- they're studying. Like there was one guy who was a scientist in grad school, only had his first name, but I found him because I knew where he had gone to grad school because he said it in oh. the thing. And what he studied. So I looked up his first name and all that stuff. And I found his exact. We got him immediately. Yeah. So there's a couple. PhD. There's a young couple where they, they were like, we gradu- we got married right after college graduation. Oh, no. oh this one was sad. Already a problem. Okay. Yeah. And then they were going to, I think it was Cambodia. And these are like two Caucasian children. Non-pen, yes. Sometimes you can tell when somebody's, a lot of times, what I've learned after watching a lot of House Hunters is who is secretly Mormon. Because yeah. you can really tell there's a Mormon energy to somebody's couples. Yeah, we need to spread forward. the good word. Yeah, exactly. Uh, or it's like, yeah. okay, you guys are married and you have four children under the age of five. <laughs> They're giving children of the corn Aryan realness, and the yes. wife doesn't work. All the so names of the children starts the letter J. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and so we looked them up because it was like. They didn't seem like they necessarily had a lot of conflict as much as they just seemed very young and they didn't even know what they wanted in a space because they were 21. Yeah. Because they have no idea what they want as people. Yes. Yeah. The woman in the couple also had like a very like baby voice kind of. She cried. She cried about how she had like never left Oklahoma or Idaho. And I'm not saying that to be dismissive. It was like one of those like she lived in a grew up in a small town. Yeah. She obviously went to that local university. And then she was like, she cried where she's like, I've never been away from home. And she started to cry on camera. And I go, that's not a good sign. No. The idea of leaving is like, there's one thing to be nervous and excited, but if you crying on camera, yeah. I said, this ain't gonna let. Yeah, yeah. And when I no. tell you, we looked her up, honey. She living in London now. She got a whole new man. She oh is wearing God. body yes. con dresses. Yes. She said it's my yes. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She has thought it out. She, okay. Well, she matches that too. She's like studying gender and sexuality. Like it was like, oh, okay, you were like, you left that husband, that like teen husband behind. And you Who said, was a drip also. He like, was a drip. Regardless of everything else, the guy was a drip. And this is full circle. Again, when we see when we see a person and when their partner is a dud, we do think lesser of them. But then we there do. is no greater redemption arc than when that person gets dumped and then they the person that we're in love with has a glow up oh mm-hmm. my god the glow up the flourishing the thriving yes. and so this is what i think so the show serves a lot of purposes one it allows you to access uh places all over the world realize you could probably do better than wherever you live in, in america at any given time yeah it also allows us to judge the lives of people who we will never see and will never know all in the space of 22 minutes. And I think it's also important to tell you and all the listeners, Liam, um, there are roughly 120 seasons of House Hunters International. Mm. And so there's and a lot. To, again. Yeah, there we're low probably somewhere closer to like 8,000 seasons. There's a lot to dive into. You can really pick it up. There's obviously no continuity. They repeat everything in voiceover. Although there are certain real estate agents. Yes. That repeat. And you do find your favorites, such as Richard Blanco. Parking is great already. You could land a UFO in this space. I mean, it looks like there's not going to be much traffic around here. We're about a 30-minute commute. Definitely, uh, I would say, a little bit further than I really wanted. But it's got three bedrooms and two baths, and it's got a very soothing price tag for you, Ellie, here, because it's $2,500. Awesome. Okay, that's now we're talking. Yes, but... 
I just don't get that quintessential British feel to it. Let's go and have a look. If you're in uh, London, honey, Richard Blanco, he's showing you the properties. He's playing to the camera. He's got jokes. Yeah. Who was the woman in France who was from like, obviously from like Staten Island or something or. I don't remember, but what I tell you, she was 60 wearing a red beret. And you <laughs> can tell I said, I looked at her, I go, she divorced. She met a man in Paris, but she decided to stay. Uh-huh. And now she lives her life. And I looked it up and that was true. Naomi <laughs> nailed it. I can sense oh, people. Move over, I, Nicole. Naomi nailed it. I can sense it. And then, well, she looked closer to that woman and then she said, were you an extra in life with Mikey? That's really, <laughs> she, she knew. She could have been. This woman was she giving that been. energy. She was a quirky character. <sighs> you too. This has been a joy, a vision. You've been Liam so- has to go. No, Liam listen. has a hard out and we won't shut up. <laughs> Do you want to know something? It's not even my heart out. It's, I honest to God, my problem is that I am a person who, even when it's not going well, could just be blah, blah, blah all the time. And I promise <laughs> this is me trying to be like mindful and courteous of the fact that you both probably have lives that you'd like to get back to, if, if anything. No, honey, this was rejuvenating. This yeah. cleared up my skin, okay? Because I was nervous because in order to record properly, we have to turn the AC off. It is hot in the apartment. Yes. And I said, oh, Lord, I'm about to sweat. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen me slowly, like, my hair, oh my God. like, plastering to my forehead. No, no, no. Liam, I'll tell you, I don't even like to do podcasts, okay? And yes, I had at one point three. And I'm telling you, you're a vision of love. Mm-hmm. Move over, Mariah. You are a dream. Yeah. Yeah, Mariah. I hit, a, the curb. I, I hit a perfect whistle town. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Set off a car alarm. Absolutely. Yeah. Minnie uh, Ripperton, we're kicking you into the trash can. Oh, come on. Now, rest in peace, Minnie. That's, <laughs> hey, I know. that's, I, know. I mean, R.I.P. Andy. Oh, it's Andy. Too far. I'm sorry. Oh, no, Andy, you, I was no, just listen. playing off of the whistle tone. I then bring the, Ariana Grande's right there. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> I talked about I could talk about pavement for another two hours, and I'm supposed to know anything about Ariana Grande besides a high pony, <laughs> high pony, and a high whistle tone. The, just remember oh, those two things. That's okay. your okay, okay. okay. That's, That's what it is. No. no, listen. I so appreciate that you both have come on to do this. It really means a lot that you would like give your time. It really, I really mean that. And that well, also you turn off your AC for this. Well, you're wonderful. And the fact yeah. that you, we, if, if only I'd known that my, our list would then require you to engage with the material. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, listen. I appreciate your dedication and hard work. I yeah, told us I, I, I was messaging. No, listen, I, yeah. Have you seen Friends? Um, my, <laughs> no, I was messaging with my producer Mimi yesterday, the wonderful Mimi Collins. And I was saying the Absolutely. wonderful thing about doing the show is that you sort of have this whole kind of curatorial thing provided to you <gasps> a cat's making a way across the screen <laughs> but no but it's like you know like someone will be like hey there's this thing and some of it which i've heard of before but then something like pavement or life of mikey hadn't heard of before so it's nice you get to sort of like be made aware of these new things now i want to tell people that you bo- both of course have your gorgeous podcast couples therapy fabulous people should be heading over there and here's what we want them to do we want to yeah. do a rating we want to do yes. a reviewing and we most and this is the most important part we want them to do subscribing okay absolutely thank you absolutely. Couples thank therapy. you for saying it yes the father Five, the son and the holy ghost i mean that's it. the trifecta that's the trifecta mm-hmm. we want them to subscribe we want them to support what can we tell people how about this i'm sure the best way to keep up with you both is social media handles again we're in the time machine this will come out later so if people want to keep up with you and be made privy to anything new that you've got going on andy where can people follow you Oh, Andy Peckerman, wherever you get your social media from, whether that's Instagram, whether that's Blue Sky, <laughs> oh, or whether that's Threads, Naomi. 
You can find me on Instagram at Blackdress Comedy. That's where you're going to get the most up to date. I'm posting about shows and uh, animals and life over there. Everything else is too overwhelming. Yeah, I have a TikTok, but I'm not updating. You know what I'm saying? Mm, and mm-hmm. it's like, we don't even, the Twitter's scary. And I got on Blue Sky, I guess. I'm not getting with threads. I just can't. I just can't. So just visit <laughs> me on Instagram, see what's happening. If you're in the LA area and want to catch a show, I leave the house from time to time. And if you're on House Hunters International, know that Naomi might and Andy might engage with you online personally themselves. So that's the most important. So really, they'll come to you. Um, Thank you both so much for doing this. It means the world. (sighs) Goodbye. What can I say? Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you all so much for listening they were such a blast be sure to follow them on socials listen subscribe and rate their podcast couples therapy and if you're feeling like you're in a generous mood with lending your support towards a podcast maybe exercise some of that muscle with this show please give five stars to tell me everything write a little review send it to your friends share it around you know word of mouth means something And that's just the truth. So be sure to spread this around. Rate, review, and subscribe to this show. You can follow me on socials at Liam Garrow. Where am I? I'm on I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. I'm newly on threads. I'm I'm a Twitter boy. So follow me there. And you know, because my guests are so generous with providing some things in pop culture that they're loving, I thought I would just leave each of you listening with a little tidbit, a little something that I've been loving recently. And this comes to you via this and incredible band because you know Andy sort of mentioned that he had an indie band that he was loving and there's an indie band that I love called US Girls they put out a record Bless This Mess it's incredible it has this kind of mix of sound that lends itself to like this sort of like disco post-punk rock sort of hodgepodge of sounds it's wonderful highly recommended if you're looking for an intro song to sort of get yourself looped in the song tux is maybe one of the most danceable jams i've ever heard in a very long time so please listen to bless this mess by us girls so good rate review subscribe to the show follow me on socials thank you all for listening we will see you next time 